It's the start of another month, which means it's time to answer some more questions. Join me today as we do exactly that. All units stand three. It now appears as though shots are being fired. All officers use caution. It has been confirmed. Suspects are armed and are firing at police. Welcome to Scanner School. My name is Phil Lichtenberger, and today we are answering two voicemail questions. And of course, what that means is when you leave me your voicemail, that puts you into the running for a free tutoring session. So if you pick up the phone at the end of this podcast, don't do it now, do it at the end, dial 516-308-2885, or use your smart tablet or your phone or even your computer or anything else that has a microphone on it, and go to our SpeakPipe link by going to scannerschool.com slash ask, and you can use your computer or anything else to leave me a voicemail that way if you'd rather not dial the local U.S. number. Now, we have two questions that came in. At the end of this podcast episode, we are going to give away a free tutoring session. Now, what exactly is a tutoring session? That's where you and I sit face-to-face, if you're comfortable enough with that, over a Zoom meeting. Basically, you'll see me, and then if you like to, I can see you, and we can share a computer screen, and I can go through and show you or help you and even program your radio or just show you how to set up software. And at the end of the hour you should be up and running. That's the goal here. And it's the best way really out there to get one-on-one, true one-on-one, like somebody sitting across the room for you, help with your scanner radio. So if that sounds interesting to you, you can go to scannerschool.com slash tutoring, or again, leave me a voicemail and we will answer your question on an upcoming podcast episode on the first Tuesday of the month and put you in the running for a free tutoring session. All right, let's get on to our first question, which comes in from Brandon. Hey, so my name is Brandon. My email address is brandonsalmon1 at gmail.com. I'm just wondering, I've got a couple of old laptops that I want to convert into remote SDR monitoring systems and leave them at, like, friends' or family's houses. I'm just wondering, what is the best way that you would recommend to have those set up? Thanks again, and I appreciate hearing from you. Brandon, a really great and interesting question here. And this becomes one of those... How many different ways are there to skin a cat? So we're going to take a look at this from a couple of different ways. And what we're going to do is um, work from the outside world to the inside world. What I mean by that is how would you connect, get from the web, right, the interwebs, into your local network, then into your RTL device, and then control it so that you can hear it or, or do whatever you want to do with it. So the first thing we have to do is we need to know what the IP address is of the computer or the network is that you want to connect to. This is like a phone number, right? It's a number, numerical value that you have to connect to. Now, we don't have to memorize these numbers, right? There's We don't memorize that Google is, I don't know, whatever the number is for Google. And AOL is another one. And your kids don't need to know about Roblox or YouTube or anything like that, right? And you don't need to know the numerical address to listen to this podcast episode because you talk in normal language, right? So you go to Google, you go to YouTube, you go to Roblox, whatever it is that your final destination is, right? So 
we need to basically know that address. The easiest way to do that is to set up a computer, which you're probably going to have on all the time, that runs a dynamic DNS type of application on it. And what that basically does is that it sniffs out your local IP address and it will write to a name every time your IP address changes. Because again, not only will we have to memorize the IP address that we're talking to and want to go to, but if it ever changes, we need a new address. So what I use is a service called NoIP. There's also DYNDNS, and I'm sure there's other ones out there. But you run a little application, and it can be on your computer, it could be on a Raspberry Pi, it could be on any other device that you may happen to have running on your local network. So that's the first step, right? The first step is getting into your local network. The second thing is, well, how do we get to that computer that is running the RTL stick, right? We now need to talk to our router. And this is where things get a little bit complicated too. Now there's a great website out there. I think it's called portforwarding.com and they will step-by-step you through how to set up your router. So basically what happens is, is this information comes in from the outside world, it hits your router and you need to set your router table up that says, okay, if somebody's coming in on this port, I'm going to route them to this IP address on my local network or to this computer or to this interface, right? And we do this via ports or via ports, depending on how you want to say the word here. So port say 80 is for the internet, 25 is for email, 22 is for, 21 is for FTP, right? These are kind of things that we kind of know from way back in the days if you were into command lining your way through the internet. And what ends up happening is we can set a port for our RTL stick. So whatever it is you decide that you want to use, whether it be 8080, 5080, 5082, whatever it is you pick, right? Try and pick something that, first of all, isn't blocked by your ISP, but second of all, isn't used in anything that's common for a regular home network, right? It's one thing we got to watch out for when we do something like that. So now we have our destination IP address, which is, you know, our ET phone home, the port, which then tells the router how to route it to the software. And now we need to know, okay, what software are we going to run on this RTL device here? And this is where now you have a couple of options here, right? One of the easiest things to do is run something like a remote desktop interface. And you can use Google Remote Desktop for that. You can use Remote uh, Desktop. Uh, I, I forget the name of it off the top of my head, but there's a there's a couple of paid ones that are out there, right? There's, there's VNCs and, and, and whatnot. Lately, I seem to be favoring the Google one because it's free. And some of the other ones now, they, they kind of get you in. Oh, it's free. Then all of a sudden, it's not free anymore. Go to my PC was one that I was just trying to think of a while back. So there's a lot of different ways you can do this, right? And if you do something like remote uh, desktop from Google or you use go to my PC, you can control that computer like you were sitting in front of it might even be the easiest way to do it because now you're not worried about port forwarding. You're not worried about dynamic DNS because you're just using their service to find your way into your computer that's remote. But if you don't want to run that up a layer, right, and you just want to connect directly in, there's other pieces of software that we can run on that computer, such as RTL TCP. RTL TCP is basically a service that runs either on a Linux device or your Windows computer, and it allows you to, over the internet, even over a local network at home, control that RTL device as if you were sitting in front of it. For example, if you are states, counties, towns, down the street, or even across the house, 
Like if you want to bring in something that was, uh, you need to, to put the RTL as close to the antenna as possible, maybe for ADSB or for weather reception or satellite work, you can mount that RTL right at the antenna base and then RTL to get into it and then pull it, right? Like you're connected to it through your local USB connection. Another way to do it is to run software that already has a server built into it, like SDR Sharp, SDR Console, and even SDR Uno, right? They all have built-in servers that not only can you connect to your own RTL stick, but you can connect to other SDRs out there that are in the public domain on, on the network. And those can all be found in a directory. So there's several different ways that we can go about going through this. The easiest one, again, probably is just to bypass having to figure out all the routing information and go with something like Remote Desktop by Google or Log Me In or something like that. And then if you really want to get crafty with it and you want to run, say, like a Raspberry Pi or something like that, RTL, SDR would probably be another way to do it. So lots of different ways. Depends what your outcome is also. Do you want to run DSD Plus? Do you want to just run SDR Sharp or SDR Plus Plus? Something else like that. So a lot of, of what you're looking to do is going to dictate what the exact answer here is. We do cover this though. I believe we touched on it in the free SDR course, but we definitely hit it really hard in the paid SDR course. This is definitely an entire module, a whole lesson that we broke down to several small lessons on how to set up a remote connection to your RTL stick. And again, you can get that by going to courses.scannerschool.com. Brandon, great question. Stick on the line here or keep listening to the podcast episode because we will let you know at the end of this episode if you won the free tutoring session. As a reminder, anybody who supports this podcast at a $3 level or higher on Patreon does not get this podcast with a commercial break in it, and they get it before the general release, which means you're going to get it a couple days in advance. So if that sounds like something that is interesting to you, go to scannerschool.com slash Patreon and help support the podcast and help keeping these going. Because again, I pay somebody to edit these and it's not exactly cheap. <laughs> so, so there we go. All right. With that, for everybody who is a Patreon supporter, we're going to catch you all right after this Morse code ID. But for everybody else, we'll catch you all in just a couple moments. Chances are pretty good that you shop online and buy things online. So whether it's Amazon or eBay or Scanner Master, maybe you got a new radio and you're going to buy new software from Butel. You can help support the podcast with your online purchases. If you use our support page before buying things online, you can support our show without it costing you a single cent. So before you buy your groceries, your golf balls, your socks, or maybe a new radio, software, or whatever it is. We would love it if you could use our affiliate links before you make that purchase. And this will help support the show at no additional cost to you. Go to scannerschool.com support to find out how you can help us out. Thanks again. Do you feel lost when it comes to the scanner hobby? Are you looking for someone to answer your questions? Do you have a new radio and you need help understanding how it works? Or are you working on a big project and need somebody to bounce ideas off of? Do you need a little bit more personal assistance than what you can get from an online community? And are you looking for somebody to dedicate their attention and their time to helping you out when it comes to getting you unstuck with whatever it is that you are struggling with when it comes to the scanner radio hobby? I'm here to do just that. 
See, you can book me for a session right now where I'll sit on Zoom and do a video or a screen share with you just as if I am sitting across the table and helping you out. You can book your tutoring session right now by going to scannerschool.com tutoring. I can't wait to help you out. Unication's G2 to G5 pages are great additions to your radio collection. Not only can they alert you with two-tone pager activations, but they can also monitor your local P25 simulcast systems that many scanner radios have problems receiving. And of course, many of our scanner school listeners are happily using their Unication pagers to scan their local trunk systems. How do I know? Because they've reached out to tell me. My company, East Coast Pagers, is an authorized Unication, Swiss phone, and Apollo pager dealer. We not only support departments and agencies, but also the home hobby user as well. Find us online at eastcoastpagers.com. All right. Our next question comes in from Jim, who's been a longtime supporter of the podcast and a longtime listener. And of course, Jim was on the podcast several times. And Jim, love having you out there and asking you questions. So Jim, go ahead and ask your question. Hello, Phil. Jim Pruda here. I've moved up to New Hampshire and have noticed that most of the public service frequencies are in the VHF band. I know that up in, on the East Coast, there is some type of government radar that prohibits them from using UHF. Just wondering, is there other parts of the country that have limitations to the band that they use? And maybe you can explain why all this is happening. The second part of the question is, why do manufacturers such as your Unication Pagers either use VHF and 800 or VHF and UHF? Why can't it do all three? Is it a limitation to the equipment and the software? And the third thing is, I hope everything's well with you and you're feeling healthier these days. And P.S., I do love my Unication G5 pager. Till next time, have a great day. Hey, Jim, great question. And you know what? I love it when I learn something new because I had no idea that UHF couldn't be used due to radar installations, which uh, I'm going to dig into because, like I said, I'm... I. First time I'm hearing about it, so <laughs> inquiring minds have to know, right? So I'm going to start digging into that one. But to answer your question, there are plenty of areas across the country that you cannot use certain frequencies because of other entities or priorities that are in play there, right? Such as some of the areas like where the amateur radio operators work, where we are secondary on the spectrum instead of primary on the spectrum. So we have to yield way to say other users who are there ahead of time. Or if, uh, for example, you have FRS or GMRS users or you know something like that, they may be secondary in bands where there are already licensed users in that area. But the one primarily that comes to mind that really sticks out like a sore thumb with me is the area along the, or the Northern area along the United States and Canada. And this one really sticks out because it's an oddity on where the U.S., as far as that I'm familiar with, has to go. So up in New York, along the Canadian border, right, propagation and radio frequencies, they all, they don't look at geographical lines, right? They go as far as they go. And to give you an example of this, right, I went to school up in the north country of New York. So I was between Fort Drum and Watertown and Plattsburgh. So if you looked at a map, I was between I-81 and I-87. And then if you find Route 11, you kind of draw Route 11 across the middle of those two as it 
Milo's to St. Lawrence Seaway, and uh, about half an hour south of Canada, right? So I would, all the time, be watching Canadian TV and listening to Canadian radio, which is, again, where I've really grad my love for Canadian rock music. I mean, not just Brian Evans, but we're talking the Tragically Hip, Matthew Sweet Band, and there's definitely another one that I absolutely love, and I just can't think of the name right now, and it always happens that I can't think of the name, which really annoys me. But of course, after hitting pause on the recording and doing a quick Google search, I am reminded that it is Our Lady Peace, who is one of my favorite bands out from Canada as well. Of course, I'm talking 90s grunge and, and whatnot. So, but yeah, I really do have a love for uh, Canadian music. In fact, I was just listening to the Tragically Hip just the other weekend. So with that said, right, RF knows no bounds when it comes to geographical limitations as far as man-made borders go, right? That, that's kind of what I'm trying to get at here. Another funny story is when I first went to college, it was this time of year as I'm recording this, it was late August. And first overnight on campus, I'm listening to the radio in the morning and they're like, oh, you know, welcome to a bright sunny day. It's like 20 degrees outside. And I'm thinking, holy moly, you know, uh, I knew it was going to be cold up here quick and the winters were brutal, but it's August and it's 20 degrees outside. I mean, I don't know what 20 degrees really equates to. I'm sure it's well off the, the mark of where I'm trying to talk about here, but it was it was in the 80s. So again, a quick pause of the recording and a quick Google search says at 75 degrees Fahrenheit, it's about 23.8 degrees Celsius. So yeah, the weather report could have been right, right? So it was in the 20s and I'm thinking, holy cow, you know, and then I, it dawned on me, we have to look at the window and so everybody outside wearing shorts and t-shirts. Oh yeah, Canadian radio station. So with that said, the Canadian border, right, we have to watch out for because our RF spectrum that we have licensed here in the United States is different than how things operate over in other countries. So you have Mexico to the south and we have Canada to the north and other countries around the world have other geographical boundaries that they have to associate with as well. So what I'm getting at here is normally public safety in the UHF spectrum here in the United States is from about 450 to 470 if you're going to stay outside the T-band. Well, apparently that's used for something else, I guess, in Canada. I don't exactly know what it's used for in Canada. But what I do know is that, say, in the area of Buffalo, you will find most public safety from like the four teens up into 420, right? 423, 424. And when you think about those frequencies, those are normally federal, but up in that area, and the FCC actually calls it out. There's a, there's a, there's a name for that area that's up there that, again, escapes my mind. It was part of the amateur radio test, so I'm really showing you that. I can't remember uh, my technician license <laughs> information here. But um, there, is a, there is a boundary, right, a hard boundary. And that's where things kind of like change for licensing and even using two-way radios because you have to be respectful of where you're going to be transmitting into. And that being said, even when you drive up and along the border too with your cell phones, you could find out all of a sudden now you're internationally roaming because you're on, say, Rogers when you should be on AT&T or Verizon or T-Mobile or whatever you're here in the United States, right? So you got to watch out for that, right? RF knows no physical man-made boundaries when it comes to that. So that's really primarily where that one really sticks out like a sore thumb is along the Canadian-U.S. border, 
you find out that you're not supposed to be in certain areas. Now, again, we just talked about before, T-band, right? So the T-band from 470 to 512 is basically UHF TV band. But in certain areas, like the major metropolitan areas, Chicago, New York, LA, right? Just name a few here. We have spectrum available to us for public safety where normally you would find a TV channel. So what ends up happening though is what happens where I am all the time, is you will get out-of-market digital TV coming in and it absolutely destroys the UHF P25 trunk systems. So our P25 trunk system in our county operates about 502 to 504 megahertz. And I think that sits around TV channel 20 or 19. And yeah, out-of-market from Philly, it comes up with the weather inversions and everything else, tropospheric ducting and the local... Uh, police system here kind of gets uh, ramrodded, I guess you could say. So those are areas too where you find out that you can or can't use frequencies based off of right licensing and 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 congestion and, and usage like that. So think about areas that are using the UHF T-band that are allowed to use spectrum that primarily you can't be used anywhere else. So those are two really good examples, I think, of what it is you are looking for. Now, to talk about some of these commercial radios that are VHF and then UHF or VHF and 700800 or UHF and 700-800, a lot of it comes down to the design and what you can physically put on the board. So you may have 700-800 as the primary module, and then you have expansion for only one other RF board. So you have to pick and choose, right? So that's the way I guess it works. Now there are two areas out there that are made by, say, for example, JVC, Kenwood, Motorola, that are quad band, right? VHF, UHF, 700, 800, I guess you could say, or tri band, depending on how you look at it. So they will operate now on on VHF, UHF, and I said 800, 700. So those are a different market, though, and I I think eventually, hopefully, Unication sees that they could sell something like that. But again, from a prim- primarily public safety standpoint. They're looking at, well, we're going to dispatch you on VHF, you're going to roll over to 800, or we're going to dispatch you on VHF, and then you're going to roll over to UHF for a trunk system. Because not every trunk system also is on 700, 800. You look around, go through like uh, the Carolinas or even parts of Texas or Virginia, and you'll find plenty of P25 trunk systems that are on VHF. So there's really no need for 700, 800. So I'm pretty sure that when they did their viewing of what's out there, right? Because again, Unication is more a public safety device rather than a consumer scanner device. They were more thinking of, right, how they can hit that market more than how they can hit the market that we're in. And I get that, right? We're using those pagers, not primarily how they are made for, but I tell you this, I sell a lot of pagers to the consumer market and, um, those that's the market that really puts those pages through the through the test so that's uh that's kind of why they do that one now to answer your third question honestly (laughs) it's been rough here it's been really really rough still recovering from surgery i'm exhausted 24 7 and if you can't tell from the way that i sound on the podcast all day today i'm just getting over covid again so we ended up having covid not fun not really a good couple weeks here as far as uh getting things done and yeah but we're, we're pushing through forward and uh, batch processing podcast episodes and, and getting things done so that we can enjoy more things. But we'll, we'll get that through a, a special message for Patreon and uh, things will be 
dribble drabbled, I guess you could say, to the podcast. Especially look forward to episode 300 where we'll we'll talk more about what's going on over here. So, Jim, again, thank you so much for asking your question. And, uh, yeah, sorry to leave a little bit of a teaser there at the end. But, yeah, we'll let more information out as, as we feel appropriate for that. Again, I want to just thank Brandon and Jim, both of you, for asking your questions. And, again, using our voicemail, of course. Brandon, you used our voicemail, our real voicemail number, which is 516-308-2885. Jim, you opted for our speak pipe, which again, santaschool.com slash ask. And they both, they both work very, very well. And they both let you ask your question in your voice on the podcast. So again, I want to remind everybody, you can leave me your voicemail by 516-308-2885 or by going to scannerschool.com slash ask. Use the speak pipe link or you can use the form to email me your question or you can just straight out email me, phil at scannerschool.com. And I will admit I've been very slow to answer emails lately, just with all the recovery, just even opening the laptop just to go through things is, it's a lot. (laughs) It's just overwhelmingly a lot right now. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to go through it eventually. It just means I'm sorry if I don't answer questions right away if you email me. So with that said, let's go through picking a winner for our tutoring session. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I think I'm going to do something I've never done before. I'm feeling very generous. So instead of raffling this off or putting a name on a random number generator, I'm just going to say congratulations, Jim and Brandon. Both of you deserve a free tutoring session for asking your questions. Because what I did was I put an SOS out there and uh, you both responded right away. And I really do appreciate you hitting things right away when I ask a question, even though I'm not so quick to do the exact opposite. And I admit that's a fault, but uh, I want to thank both of you for seeing the message and acting on it right away. And uh, both of you reach out whenever you're ready and we will uh, set you up with a free tutoring session. So again, for everybody else, 516-308-2885 or scannerschool.com slash ask. And for those wondering, we will be returning for live sessions, dates and time TBA. Let's just put it that way. More info to follow. Before we wrap up this week's podcast, I want to take a minute here to thank all of our Patreon supporters. Alan Gonzalez, Arthur Alchak, Arthur Heron, Bill K, Bob Robs, Bob Middleton, Brandon Sammons, Brian Arsenal, Brian King, Chris Paris, Classic Hank, Craig Harper, Dan, Daniel Chiavolella, Dave Pasco, David, David C, David Kuzneski, David Robertson, Denny Crotty, Dylan Heider, Ed Walsh, Edward Bramlett, Glenn Davos, Glenn Wright, Greg Johnson, I Hate Junk Mail, Kaycock, Barry, Jake Jacobson, James Broxton, James Felling, Jay Reed, Jeff Block, Jeff Chapman, Jeff McLeod, Jeff Waldrop, Jenny Taylor, Jim Jim Heinrich, John Kordoff, John Keel, John Sweeney, John Derby, John Goldenberg, Joshua Robb, Ken Newberry, Kenneth Fowler, Kevin's Wiki, Lenny Bauer, Les Stevenson, Lloyd R., Luke Hartnett, Mason Kramer, Michael Gorman, Michael Kroger, Michael Meadows, Mike Lopez, Mike Piltz, Nicholas Stenger, Paul Bowling, Paul Teal, Randy Young, Raymond Hill, Rich Palmieri, Ronnie Box, Scott Lefgren, Thomas Giampino, Todd Glendai, and William Arcand. Find out more about Patreon and our support tiers by visiting scannerschool.com slash Patreon. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you again next week. 73.